Click, listen, enjoy. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Well, you know what I say. Zev Brenner is the voice of Long Beach. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner, and we are doing a tribute to Rabbi Dr. Chaim Wax, like a blessed memory, who I knew for so many years. In fact, I received an email. I was trying to find it, but it had to be at least 15 or 20 years ago inviting me to come to years of Long Beach. He was a passionate advocate for his show, for his community, for all of, for all our community. And since that time, I got involved in the shul. I worked with Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlack on an 8.30 minion every morning, which is still continuing in his memory, thank God, and also the summer lecture series. And was very, he was just such a tremendous personality. I can't believe that a year has gone by since... Uh, he has passed. His first yardside is being commemorated, and uh, we're paying a tribute. And it's only there's so much to talk about, and we're only going to cover and scratch the surface of the personality impact he had on not just on Long Beach but on the Jewish community. We have a whole array of people, and we'll hear from Yehuda Green and Rabbi Benjamin Silver and Rabbi Yaakov Weisenberg and Rabbi Naftali Sedrin and Rabbi Cheska Rosenberg. But right now, joining us is Shmuel Khan, director of Hask, where Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlak served as clinical director for so many years. Rabbi Efraim Polakoff, the rabbi based to Fila and Woodmere. He also was assistant rabbi under Rabbi Chaim Waxlak, especially during the time of Sandy, which has took its toll on the Long Beach community. Dr. David Diamond is chairman of the board of the Young Israel of Long Beach. So, Shavuot Tov, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us on the program. Let me begin with you, Shmiel. You've worked for so many years and had a close relationship with Rabbi Waxer. Tell us about it and, uh, and, and tell us what he has accomplished for Hask. I'll get to work, everybody. Shavuot Tov. And thank you for having me on the on the show, and uh, it's a covet to be able to tell you about Dr. Waxlack. I, he touched so many people, both in the, in the in the field of disabilities and had Hask for sure, and I'm sure the same thing in the community of Long Beach, which meant so much to him. Um, he probably gave 100% of his time to uh, the, the, the community of Long Beach, but I can also tell he gave 100%, 150% of his time to the community, to, to the Hask family as well. And uh, I know Dr. Waxlack since about 1975. We have worked together on a part-time basis. He used to come every Thursday uh, for many, many years. And then around, just around the turn of the century, around the year 2000, we needed him that it was that important that he joined our staff as the clinical director full-time. And he really gave every minute of his time Plus more, so any time he had to stay late was never a problem, never an issue. And he stayed late, and he came early. And it was just a, it was like a covet to work with him, to to sit with him for hours daily, solving problems, solving issues, and helping Hask grow in the right way, and helping the people that really need our help. He was just a, an amazing person, and it takes 
many people to to fit his shoes right now, and uh, we really miss him. I can't imagine a year has passed already since he he joined us, um, since he left us, actually. Um, it's been a very difficult year because things that seemed so simple uh, when he when 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 we we had issues, questions to ask, and what 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 to do with it in different situations became a whole became a matzah now, and uh, we we really we really miss him, we miss his knowledge, and miss him as a person, and the staff themselves miss him because in, in the afternoons. Uh, like like two three o'clock until the end of the day, he he kept on any staff person that wanted to see and meet him and and uh, discuss different things, different ways, different projects, or different issues with their in their department. Had a chance to come into him and uh, on a one on one, and he encouraged them and gave them physic to to do not only to do their job but to do it better. And to and how to serve the individuals that we are responsible for, how to serve them better, and to bring out the best of in everyone's life, and uh, that was him. I don't know where he found the time to do everything. He got up before five o'clock in the morning, and he gave hashkachas, and he made sure everything was running properly, and devoted time, as you said, one hundred and fifty percent to Hask. He devoted one hundred and fifty percent. To Long Beach, people came to him day and night with issues and problems, and he always did it. And I know from my own experience, he took care of the smallest thing, because I arranged for speakers every week in the summertime. He made sure that a place where to stay and where to eat, and took care of their transportation. He took care of every minor detail. I don't know how he did it, and it's just amazing. And as you said from Hask, he devoted himself so much and had a tremendous impact and as you said it takes a number of people to do what he did i'm sure the same thing is true in long beach so um he dedicated himself hard when he got involved and he dedicated his heart and soul into it it just brings back a memory one one memory that when the, this this the storm where the, the when sandy, sandy was there how how he he put he put his total life into making sure that everyone is in in his community was well and they had what to eat, and he he slept things from, from Brooklyn food and, and all types of other anything that they needed for, came from Brooklyn. Of course, in Brooklyn, it was readily available. Long Beach didn't have anything at the time because of the floods and all that stuff, and <laughs> it meant nothing to him. It, meant, you know, it was just like part of part of his life, just to help to help the people out there get back to uh, to, no, to normal life there. The Dafiyoyimi in the morning. I'm going to tell you a small story. There was an individual, uh, a, a, a person that that lived that lived in New Jersey, uh, that started that that came from from a state operate, operation and and came over to our agency to work with us. And um, was no big learner or anything, but we we, we met together. Dr. Wax, like myself and him, met together almost every morning. For quite a, for, for for a half hour to an hour, just to review different things that that person was responsible for, and every morning Dr. Waxlock would just as a part of the conversation would mention the, the daf yoyimi or something something about the daf, and and we went on to talk. This person used, used to complain about fighting the traffic every morning to get to get to Brooklyn. Dr. Waxlock told him, "Why don't you leave your house 5:30 or 5:15? You get to Brooklyn at six o'clock." No, no traffic. You'll go. To the, here is a shul right on your way, and then Rabbi Flam Shul near Ocean Parkway. There was right on his way, and he had a place to park. Go there, 
and you'll daven, learn the daf yomi, then come to work. And and it's it, it, it happened. The guy the guy listened and did that. And up, up and this goes back probably close to 20 years ago. The guy is so into the daf now he would never miss a daf. He would he, he he we still he lives in Israel now, but we're still in communication. And he always thanks Dr. Waxlack for, for for giving him the idea of starting the daf. One simple thing, small story, but yet so big. It, 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 it is so big, and he was, and like I said, he learned. He, in fact, I have to say this: Gloria Paris, one of our congregants. Okay, what's what, what, what thing that I said? Gloria Paris, one of our one of our listeners and congregants, said when when I was talking about Rabbi Doctor Chaim Wax, I said, "Oh, they don't make rabbis like that anymore." Well, I said they don't make. She said they don't make people like that, and they don't make mention like that anymore. He was able to accomplish so so much uh, with that. You, you mentioned the Sandy. Let me turn to to our other guests, and we were paying tribute to Rabbi Doctor Chaim Wax like uh, tonight. And let me turn to Rabbi Ephraim Polakov, who's now the rabbi of Beis Tefillah in Woodmere, New York, but he also was assistant rabbi during the Sandy years. So tell us about your associate. First of all, good luck. Good to have you on. Uh, I remember when you were in Long Beach, and we miss you, but I know you're on to some great things in Woodmere. But tell us about your relationship and your experience during Sandy. Sure, good luck. Thank you, Zev, for, uh, for having me on the show. Uh, and it's truly a cover to, uh, to be able to share some memories of... Uh, of Rabbi Dr. Waxlack. Um, so just to paint a little bit of a picture in terms of my, you know, somewhat unique relationship. Um, my wife, my wife's mother is a, is, is Rabbi Waxlack's sister. So my wife is Rabbi Waxlack's niece. Uh, and that's how I kind of, you know, got introduced to, uh, to Long Beach. At the time, Long Beach was looking for an assistant rabbi. Uh, Rabbi Waxlack asked me if I was interested. I was learning at the time and, you know, thinking about going into Rabbanos. And uh, I thought it was a great opportunity, not only to, you know, begin my career in Rabbanos, but also to uh, to get to know uh, Fetr Chaim, as we called him in the in the family, to get to know him a little bit more intimately and a little bit better uh, and to learn from him. And I applied for the job and went through the process and uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, was selected. In fact, we ended up with uh, several assistant rabbis, and uh, myself, Rabbi Silver, who's currently the rabbi in the Young of Long Beach, and and uh, Rabbi Chaim Axelrod, who's in New Rochelle now. Uh, and we had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful experience in Long Beach, learning from Rabbi Waxlack, and uh, you know, engaging with the community and teaching. It was truly, truly special years. Um, that's how I ended up, you know, the, beginning my career in in Long Beach. So now you you were there during the Sa- you were there you were there during the Sandy time and I said to Rabbi yes, Wax exactly right he reminded me of the Medish um, of Avram Ravino because they say that Avram was the captain of the world in good times but he's also the captain in the stormy times and Rabbi Waxak was there during the good times and stormy times so what was that like you know so he he was so he was so dedicated to helping everyone in need that and he was a man of so many different hats like we just heard from Shmuel Khan you know the the clinical director at at the Hask Center and uh, Rabbi of the Young Israel of Long Beach, and just it was like almost like, like just like Shamil said that you know as soon as as soon as the uh, superstorm or the hurricane hit, he just switched his hat to uh, rescue mode, and he just became a, a one man a one man rescue mission, and um, it was just unbelievable. He never left Long Beach. He stayed you know th- through the hurricane, and I still remember for whatever reason I always think this is a nace, but the Young Israel of Long Beach did not get a drop of water. You know it's only Zev, you know it's only about two blocks from the beach. 
and most of the most of the locations in that area were completely flooded. Almost all, and, and his and the shul didn't get any water, and his house didn't get any water either, where right, he lived. Right, exactly. It's a miracle. Exactly. Obviously. There was nothing. There was nothing, and the shul just all of a sudden turned into a like a, a rescue mission, and uh, he converted the whole basement of the shul. I still remember, you know, uh, piles and piles of supplies that people had donated to Long Beach. And, uh, you know, he, he just became the coordinator. People were calling from other communities to come help and to come assist, you know, to clean up and to clean out people's homes, uh, donations, uh, clothing and food and, and diapers. You know, I still remember, you know, every night there was food. You know, he would bring food, like, like Shmil said, he would bring food from Brooklyn and just set up, you know, hot food for people, uh, catered meals, you know, for free, just, uh, you know, in, in the basement of, uh, of the Young Israel of Long Beach. And no one, no one ever knew exactly, you know, where he got the food, how he got the food, who paid for the food. It didn't matter. And honestly, I think so much of it, you know, came from his own pocket because he, it, to him, it wasn't about a job and, and you know, and making a salary and, and, and getting something, you know, doing what he had to do. It was about caring for people. It was about taking care of people. It was about making sure that people had what they needed. And after Long Beach, when the community was devastated and people, you know, literally, you know, had lost thousands of dollars worth of possessions and didn't know where to turn. He was the address that people turned to, you know, people turned to him privately and I'm sure he helped. We don't even know the scope of it, but I'm sure he helped people privately, you know, financially with counseling and things like that. But he just turned the whole community, the whole shul into a, into, into a help center to help, you know, anybody who needed. He coordinated all the volunteers. There were buses coming in uh, from other locations and he was the one who was coordinating the volunteers and when they should come and where they should go to and what they should do. He was just a, you know, he was really a one-man show. He was just a one-man show, and he was able to to care for so many people and to really help people get back on their feet. That's what they needed after after Superstorm standing. Absolutely right, and he did whatever had to be done. That made it so special, and and you saw what a he was a real role model, what a rabbi should be. Uh, like I said, didn't stand on sermon, did everything to help his community, his congregants, in so many different ways. And while he was a man of a, of a tremendous amount of Torah knowledge and learning, gave wonderful shiurim, but at the same time, he was a rav in chesed, and he knew how to help people. And that, I think, is is his legacy. And you witnessed that firsthand, uh, Rabbi Pavlikov. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I you, like like you said, thing. everything was just, you know, to roll, you know, what can I do to roll up my sleeves and to get the job done? I still remember... I, uh, at the time, when I, when I was in Long Beach, I had just started working also in DRS Yeshiva High School in, uh, in Woodmere, where Baruch Hashem, I, I continue working today. And, um, and I remember I had, I had a sheer Shabbaton. I invited my boys to, uh, to Long Beach for Shabbos, and then we put them up in different homes, and you know, we had a wonderful Shabbos together. And I remember I was you know, trying to figure out, you know, where am I going to get the food for the Shabbaton? How am I going to get it? And I, I was talking to, to Rabbi Waxlack, and he said, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. And I said, what? You know, uh, he said, don't worry, I got it. And I still remember, he just, he took care of everything, literally from soup to nuts, he took care of everything. He brought the food himself, he, you know, and he, he set it up himself. I mean, it was, it was mind boggling. Just someone like you said, who was a Tamil Chacham, who gave shiurim, you know, and, and, and who cared for people. And here, this was something, he didn't have to busy himself with this. This was not a shul function. It was just a private thing. I was having my boys, you know, from the, from the shir for Shabbos. And he just said, you know, I'll take care of it. And he just literally, you know, w- without even thinking, without without beating, you know, without missing a step, he just took care of the entire, entire Shabbaton. That's just who he was. You know, everything was, nothing was a big deal. And it was just a, it was just a matter of, you know, what can I do to, to help, 
you know, someone else to make someone else life's e- life easier to to make someone else uh, enjoy Yiddishkeit, enjoy Shabbos, enjoy life a little bit more. That's what he, that's what he was all about as a person. Shmuel, you were going to say something. Yes, uh, thank you. I, w- I wanted to say also, I want to touch a little bit on his professional uh, career, his psychology, and his way of uh, 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 of handling people. Over the years, in a, such a quiet way, you know, we sat for hours daily working on things, and, 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 and in between, he would get a call, and you can hear that the person that he's talking to has a shown bias problem or a problem with a child, how to deal with things. And he would tell him, come to my office and I'll, deal with, I'll, I'll talk to you. He gave him an, an, a, an appointment for the afternoon when things are all calmer in the office. And, and, the person, and, and I know he didn't charge anybody. So, so many people owe their shown bias to him. So, so many people owe their, 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 their way of bringing up their children because of his advice. You can't imagine it was so beautiful to hear how he said something to somebody over the phone. You know, it said for hours, people always call him. And how he, he, the, the respect he had for anybody, some people would call up yelling, you can hear it through the, through, through the receivers, they're upset about things. He calmed people down, I'll talk to you, just come to my office. He gave him a time today, tomorrow, the next day. Come, we'll talk about it, and we'll, we'll, we'll work it out for you. And it was just so beautiful. It certainly and I was. I, I miss him too. I was very close with him, and, and that I, was his professionalism. That was his professionalism. His covered abrias that he had for people was something so special. And he and his rabbis and did so much chesed, and you know, I met many rabbis, and I, I've never come across anybody like it. He, it was still a hate. It was not. Uh, I don't even know a fraction of a fraction of the chesed that that he and his wife have done over the course of time. It helps so many people and change people's lives for the better. In fact, uh, what Rabbi Pollock, what you said about uh, his home and, and his shul not being touched by water, I think that's a sign from heaven also that you, almost every house was devastated in Long Beach, but young Israel Long Beach wasn't and his home wasn't, and that to me says something. He was so. talking about that a lot, yes. He was talking. He was. He said that several times. My house wasn't touched. <laughs> exactly, and that's a miracle. I can tell you that because my house was touched. It was. It was touched, and he was helpful. He got volunteers, and he directed you know people yeah. to come and help, and he was tremendous with that. Let me turn to Dr. David Diamond, the the chairman of the board of the Young Israel Long Beach, who knew the rabbi for so many years. So, uh, thank you. Any thoughts that go through your mind as you listen to our conversation? Yeah. Well, good to Zev. Thank you for including me in this very special conversation. So I know that everyone who knew Rabbi Waxlaxatzal felt that they had a very special and personal relationship with him because he made them feel that way. And everyone has their special and intimate memories of their interactions with him. My relationship started before we even moved into Long Beach. Uh, Arab Shabbos, he called he introduced himself, and he said, if there's anything you need, I know you're moving in, anything you need, just call me, which is really the essence of who he was. He knew everyone. He was able to relate to everyone according to their needs and their personalities, and he was, uh, he was a doer. He, he, didn't, he didn't sit still. If he had something to do, it got done, and I, I like telling people that I found out I was a vice president of the shul when I read about it in the newsletter that he published. <laughs> okay, I can believe that. <laughs> yes, and, sir. 
you know, since then I, I had this chus to learn from him, to work with him. He was a truly a role model, and I'm continuing that to this very day. And, uh, you know, he was a visionary who had the skills to actualize his visions. But I want to tell you, you've been talking about Hurricane Sandy, and I, I, my thoughts about that, it, it's such a, such a powerful memory. Everyone who was affected, who was here, who was affected, will remember. I saw that the Rav literally became the father of our community. He took care of everyone with the help of some very special members of the shul and with people from out of Long Beach. He, as Rabbi Polakoff said, he turned the young Israel of Long Beach into an emergency community center. He facilitated ensuring there was, there were three meals a day, including hot food. There was, there were tables full of clothing and basic necessities. He made sure that the minyanim continued every day and no one can forget what he did and really saved us from that disaster. That's a very powerful image that I, I have. There was there were piles of dirt down at the beach making mountains. And when Hanukkah came, because it was around that time, he had this vision. He did something that was amazing. We had this big Hanukkah that he would use at outdoor community Hanukkah lighting every night of Hanukkah. He carried that, that, that huge Hanukkah, after a few steps, he needed some help. It, it was a difficult climb and it was a heavy Hanukkah, but he managed to get up there and to light the Hanukkah up on that mountain. A very powerful event for everyone. And if I can just finish my thoughts, he was a true community leader and his legacy continues as you all know, to this day, he made sure we had a mikvah, made sure we have an Arab that checked in his kosher every Shabbos. He established the vod of kashras, and so we had kosher establishments where we can get food. And he's famous for his dafyomi. Every morning at 5.30 in the morning, he gave daf for many, many years. And... Um, I feel very strongly, Zeb, that anyone in Long Beach, any organization, any shul that promotes Long Beach and talks about the mikvah, the food, the eruv, the dap, really should pay tribute to Rabbi Waxlag Zatzal as the Rav of Young Israel of Long Beach and the facilitator of everything that this Orthodox Kehila needs. And I really feel that you can't separate Rabbi Waxlag from the Young Israel of Long Beach. It's, I mean, I don't know if it goes out of line to say it, but it would be like separating Moshe Rabbeinu from Mitzias Mitzrayim. He certainly was affiliated with Loma. He was a proud of all the kosher establishments. Listen to this. As you well know, we have a uh, kosher bakery, a kosher uh, butcher takeout store. We have the Dunkin' Donuts. Um, we have Carvel uh, and uh, other, other establishments. So uh, we lack for no... Um, availability to satisfy one's uh, uh, food uh, needs. He was proud of everything Long Beach. Before I let you go, Dr. Diamond, there was something that really, when I heard this, I just was, you know, just so overwhelmed, is that the day before he passed away, and then those that may not know, he turned sick very, a week before he passed, he took a week from when he was diagnosed with a sickness, and he died within a week or so. 
the day before he passed away, he spoke to you and other leaders of the University of Long Beach. Tell us about that. I know he spoke to uh, Joseph Langer and to uh, President Nelson Spies. They went to the house. He spoke to them in person. Um, I, I'm a dentist, as you know, and I treated patients during that time and now. And just because the, the, uh, what was going on with the rub, I, I usually don't keep my phone with me, but I felt that just in case I needed to have my phone and it did vibrate and I excused myself from the patient and it was Rabbi Waxlach and he spoke to me and I have to tell you, it was very emotional. I asked him if he we would, if I was going to see him again. He told me no. I was crying for much of the conversation, but he did charge us with making sure that the shul continues and we build the shul. And he said, and this is really, again, just showing the type of person he was being concerned, even at that moment, for everyone else. And he said that he wants us to be happy. And my answer to that was, Rabbi, it's going to be a long time before we're happy. And that's the last time I spoke with him. Wow. Wow. And just what blew me away is that the day before he passed away, he knew that uh, he only had a limited amount of time, but he took time to speak to you and the leadership of the shul to give directions and to see the shul should flourish and continue to grow. And that, to me, that speaks volumes of who the person, who what kind of person he was. He was irreplaceable, as as everyone knows. As you've heard tonight, we know his his position at Hask. Everyone knew it, but. Um, as Shmuel Khan said, and, you know, it takes several people to replace what he did. And with all due respect to anyone else, I don't think anyone can do what he did at the level that he did it. Totally concur. Totally concur. I want to thank you, Dr. David Diamond, uh, Shmuel Khan, Director of Hass. Thank you. And thank you, Rabbi Ephraim Palakov, based field of Woodmere, for sharing some insights into the legacy of Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxak of Thank you. Thank you, Zev. I, I just want to say that may his memory inspire us to be the best people we can be. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree, uh, Zev. Baruch Hashem, I think that uh, unfortunately we Jewish people uh, we uh, have the uh, sense of of coming together and uniting uh, in the face of uh, of sorrow, which is a natural which is a natural um, response. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we were able to uh, experience the sense of uh, unity and understand that what we have in common is much more uh, is mu- is much more uh, significant than that which. Uh, that which divides us. And the other thing is that uh, we've already experienced uh, historically uh, situations where we were brought together and everyone was uh, unified. And unfortunately, as soon as the crisis uh, passes, we tend to revert very quickly back uh, to the way things uh, were. So it, it behooves us to really look at, the, at the, the etiology and to really try to understand why it is that we cannot be uh, together and united, recognizing our differences while still understanding that we're working
towards a a common um, a common purpose. Uh, there are uh, many many uh, ways. Shivim ponim latorah. There are different uh, approaches, and there are uh, different uh, attitudes. Each one of us uh, has our our own uh, our responsibility. We have our own talents, and if we were to recognize and to appreciate the talents of others, uh, we would understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want the complete uniformity, uh, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants each person to be unique and to serve him uh, in the way that is uh, particular to them. You're listening to our special tribute to Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxak. He was the spiritual leader of the of Long Beach. He also was clinical director at Hask. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We'll speak to Yehuda Green. We'll speak to Rabbi Noftali Sertan of the Karlbach Shul. We'll speak to Rabbi Chesko Rosenberg. We'll speak to Binyamin Weinberger. We'll speak to Rabbi Binyamin Silver, the current spiritual leader in Israel of Long Beach. We'll speak to Simi Weber, so you don't want to miss our special broadcast. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back. You're hearing Yehuda Green in the background saying the Rebbe is uh, the Rebbe is here, and Rabbi Doctor Chaim Waxak was of Hasidic background, and I'll call him my Rebbe. He certainly was a lot of people's Rebbe. Taught us a lot of different things. So good vach Yehuda Green. We appreciate you being here with us. Good vach to Rabbi Naftali Sitron, the spiritual leader of the Kalbach Shul in Manhattan. Rabbi Yaakov Weisenberg served as assistant rabbi under Rabbi, rabbi Doctor Chaim Waxak at the of Long Beach, and Doctor David Diamonds. Chairman of the board, let me first begin with Rabbi Diamond. You had another thought you wanted to share with our audience. And we've been speaking about what the Rav Zatzal has accomplished, but we also know, and it, it goes without saying, but it should be said that there's an Ezek anecdote that Rebetzin Waxlak stood by him through everything that he did. She herself, in her own right, is a tremendous palas chesed, and 
it's it's unmanage unimaginable the the grief that she and the family felt losing him after one week, and yet Rebbe Tzinnlachslag continues to do the chesed that she always did, and we all owe her a great a great uh, debt. And Akaris had told. Agree with you. I mean, they were a wonderful team. They did so much still a hate. That means quietly where nobody knew about uh, the stuff that they did. And so many lives were touched by it. And I appreciate your sharing that because they were a team and a lot of it is going on. And we are, I can't believe it's a year and we're commemorating a year as yard site. So I, I turned to Rabbi Naftali Sifrin, the spiritual leader of the Kabbalah Shul, uh, you've been out many times, I think, for the Kabbalah Shabbaton in Israel. Yehuda Green was part of that Kabbalah Shabbaton. So you had some special relationship with, not only with Rabbi Waxer directly, but your grandfather, Ravelli Chaim, had also a very strong relationship with Rabbi Waxer. Yes, Evan, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. I um, was told many, many years ago that... Uh, Rabbi Waxlack was particularly close. He was a Ben Bias by my grandfather, by Rabbi Lechayim Kalbach, in uh, Hillside in Newark. So um, I, I knew right away that I wanted to connect with him, and we, we developed a bond over the years. And uh, very happy to say that uh, there's been some form of a Kalbach Shabbos almost continuously um, from well from even before I got to, got here, but for the last uh, 10 years or so, I've been going there often with Yehuda Green, and uh, lately we do a Shabbos on the boardwalk and then Shabbos Day by uh, by Young Israel, and, and he's just, he's a hero uh, to, to the local community in terms of what he what he did after the hurricane and what he did day in, day out. No question about that. He was just such a special individual. And Yehuda Green, I always enjoyed listening to you, and especially when you were in Long Beach and at Young Israel's Mamisha Gewalt. So I know that you've been coming out for many, many years. So tell us about your relationship with Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlack. Okay, good luck, Zev. I want to also thank you, um, Rabbi, for having us on the show. Um, and thank you uh, to the entire Kehillah they hosted us. This was really a memory. Those are memories that will never be forgotten. My experience, my experience is that it's very hard to, um, as it is, that Rabbi Waxak Zichon Yitzhak Levocho is in Ghanaian, but we should know that he's with us. Like the song before, you started playing the song, The Rebbe's Door. I'm saying to the whole Kehillah, they should know that Rabbi Zwaslag is with them all the time, with all of us. He's here. The Rabbi is there. And the love that he gave to all of you, to the whole Kehillah, to the entire, uh, you know, Jews or ever were there just visiting. You, he gave so much love. And I'm sharing with you what I saw from the stage when I was performing on, on the beach. I could see him around, how he's shepherding Nachas, and he's, that he's spreading the word of Hashem, they, even with non-Jews. He was so happy of making this Kudus Hashem. He did it with so much love. And I'm telling you, it wasn't easy for him to do that. 
I know what was involved, and he gave so much this of mine to give Nachas and the Kehillah to, to be Mikadashem Shemaim in the city of Long Beach. I, I just, I miss him so much, and I, I can, uh, I can say I even learned from him something, maybe the rabbi or you will remind me that he will, what, what was he singing when he will do the Kiddush, Shabbos Day, he sang it on a song, and he was so proud to share this with us. I don't remember which song he used for that uh, Kiddush. There was so much joy to stand between the Shabbos, and I'll, and I'll miss him forever. What I want to say to him, to the Rebbe, that uh, when I was visiting in Chicago and once for a dinner that I was uh, performing there, and the host was, uh, the, the, uh, I would say, the guest of honor was Rechni. And I was listening to see his son-in-law, he's a grandson. So their grandson is giving so much nafas to them. You could see they have a lot of, all the investment, they have, what they do in their family and the folklore soil for the city of Long Beach. Hashem is paying them with great nafas. I miss them very much. I echo that sentiment, and as you were talking, I don't know if I made it clear before, when there was Sandy, when he, when Rabbi Wax was bringing food, he fed Jew and non-Jew alike, whoever needed, whoever was hungry, was able to come and eat. He took care of everybody. It wasn't just the Jewish community. He helped anybody in need. Reverend Naftali, do you remember the song, the Kalbach song that he used, uh, that Rabbi Wax used when he made Kiddush? You know, I... I, I, I... Remember how he would get very nostalgic every time I would come, and he would give, uh, he would really give a lavish introduction to me that I didn't deserve, but it was part of who he was. I, I, I know, uh, Reb Yaakov, I think it was Reb Yaakov was once giving a shear, uh, when he was the assistant rabbi there, if I'm not mistaken, on, um, on Birchas Hanenen, about uh, different questions about different foods. And he was he came to me and he said, what a privilege I have to have such a Talmud Chacham here teaching like this. He was just, he, he, he loved to give compliments about people because he cared about them and he, he wasn't cheap at all. when he, he was always just lavish in his praise, bringing, always bringing people up. Rev Yaakov, I wanted that's a good to Absolutely. bring you in. So you remember that, and I know that you gave lectures. You're still you're you're running the 830 Minion at the Israel Long Beach. You were a former system rabbi uh, under Rabbi Waxak. So tell us about that. You were there. You were there with the Kabbalah Shabbatonim with Yehuda and Rev Mavtali and the whole Hever. Sure, absolutely. I mean, um, I would say, uh, like as you mentioned, you came from a Hasidic family. I believe a Ger Ger. A Ger Hasidic family, and he, um, you know, he learned the Torah Vedas. Uh, he has from a Vidalia Shor, and but he was someone who was very eclectic, and uh, I think he was passionate about his Talmud Torah. And uh, you know, I, I have a privilege now to continue giving his uh, Daf Yomi Shir, which he pioneered in the Shul uh, for many decades, and and that was really, you know, he started. I mean, unbelievably, 5:30 every morning given the Daf Yomi Shir, like I said, over decades. Uh, so just been, been, you know, he went through Shas, uh, you know, I don't know, I think four cycles, something along those lines. In fact, he just was Messiah Shas with the most recent uh, Siyam Daf Yomi. Uh, but he was someone who excelled in, in Talmud Torah, 
uh, was, uh, you know, Talmud Chacham uh, of notes, uh, you know, uh, Paskin Shilas. Uh, that's on the one hand, but then, of course, he, he had that warmth, and uh, I know he was very close with the Karlbach family, and he had a Hasidic warmth and a Hasidic passion uh, for his Yiddishkeit. For, you can see whenever it came to Nigunim, to singing during davening, and he actually, he often, not I shouldn't say often, but he on occasion led the davening to Birch HaSachodesh, and definitely on Yom Kippur, uh, he, he, he was the one who davened Nehila. You could see just the way... He was literally sweating. Uh, you could see the perspiration, but because of his passion and his excitement for God and for Judaism, so he really, on the one hand, he was uh, a serious Talmud Chacham who was Marbit Torah to the rabbin, and uh, and it's not, obviously not at all a contradiction, but you, know, you don't often find it in both people. Both have the intellect and the passion and the warmth, uh, you know, that he really embodied. So it was a, it was a privilege to serve under him, and I learned a lot from him. Um, and I'll just actually, if I have a chance, I know I mentioned this idea to the Rebbitson, and she uh, encouraged me to share it, that, you know, there are some people uh, that you don't really appreciate fully uh, the, the scope of their contributions to a community until they're not there anymore. Like, you know, the first Rashi in Parshish Vayetze, it says, Vayetze Yaakov Bershava Vayelecharana. So uh, Rashi asked, why does it have to say Yaakov left Bershava? Obviously, if he went to Kharan, he left where he, where he came from, Bershava. So... Rashi famously said, because he'd see a tzaddik min amakam oser roshim. When a tzaddik takes leave of a place, it makes an impression. Because, uh, you know, that so long as he's there, he's the city's beauty and splendor. Uh, but when he leaves, you know, then that that splendor and beauty that was there is, is, is a void left. And I think Rabbi Laksak was someone who embodied that idea. You know, he was someone involved in every aspect of the communal life, whether it was the kashras, the eruv, the mikvah, Young Israel in particular, but just, you know, the broader community. He was really almost, in a sense, a de facto chief rabbi of Long Beach, and he had his finger in every aspect of the community. And it's really, now that he's not here, it's unbelievable to think how one person really wore so many hats and then accomplished so much. So it's really almost in his absence that we we kind of took it for granted. Oh, yes, yeah, so the Waxlock is going to take care of this, he's going to take care of that, and the concerts, and just on and on and on, Shirim. Uh, but, uh, you know, now that he's not here, you see, it was really, to, to, to what an extent it was almost a one-man show, it's really, really remarkable. So uh, he's definitely, definitely missed. And definitely, definitely missed. Uh, Reverend Tully, um, so uh, you, how many years have you been coming out to Long Beach and, and to Ding Israel? Um, I, I think it's it's about 10 years. Wow, wow. Yeah. And, I, I know it was a very special. He loved, Chaim loved the Kabach Shabbatonim when you came out and the oh, singing, he, he, the spirit. He loved it so much. He loved Yehuda, and, and he loved having that big tent. Occasionally, there would be other things going on at the same time. I was always nervous. How are we going to have all these different things happening? And he just basked in, he said, it's a convention. He So he, he just, he basked in that. Achtus, and and he was essentially the chief rabbi of of Long Beach, and and it, it's a, a huge void. I mean, you know, he he, he did so many things because he, he gave him he gave his whole heart over to his work. He did. Rabbi Yehuda, you're going to make a special song for Roy Waxlack, or we're going to dedicate the the Rebbe the Rebbe's Duva to Rabbi to Rabbi Chaim. As of now, it's unbelievable that you I don't know if you. You meant it, 
But this song is Mamesh dedication so special for Rabbi Waxlock. This is a message also to the whole Kaila, to the whole community. I'm saying it and I mean it. The story behind that, behind that song, that when the people, the whole community showed up in the Kloys, the Kloys was the the Rav Nachman's uh, shul, the big shul. What happened is he walked in, he was, it was an Rosh Hashanah. There was a lot of noise in the Kloys, in the shul. And Rav Chaim, I think his name is Rav Zev Zalewski, Rav Chaim Zalewski, he went up on the bime and he gave a smash on the bime and he said, Everybody should know. We should get really serious. The Rebbe is though. The Rebbe is though. He's here with us. So that's what I'm saying to everybody in Long Beach, to the whole community. Rabbi Waxlag is believe. He's with you all the time. We should really, we should really feel that. And Shemaim, gates of heaven. But he's, he, with your connection to Rabbi Wax, like all of us, you feel is a connection to us. The gates in Shemaim opens up with our connection to Rabbi Wax, like now, next to the Rabbani Shalom. Amen. So, I, I want to thank you, Yehuda Green. It's always a gaval to have you and Rabbi Naftali Sitman on the air. So thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Yaakov Weisenberg, uh, who is currently giving the Dafyomi, helping to run the 838 Minion, and also Rabbi, who is assistant rabbi the Rabbi Wax. I thank you for being on the show with us tonight. Thank you, thank you. My, my so pleasure. Much. Thank you, God bless. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. God bless the whole community, everybody. Amen. Amen. Especially to the family. The family, yeah. to the rabbi and the family, they all... And that's Yehuda Green singing is the Rebbe as we continue to pay tribute to Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlack. Well, you know what I say. Zev Brenner is the voice of Long Beach. And we are going to be right back. And when we come back, we'll speak to Rabbi Yechesko Rosenberg, whose mishpacha will speak to uh, Binyamin Weinberger. Uh, we'll also be from the Pittsburgh Chassid. We'll speak to Rabbi Binyamin Silva, the current spiritual leader. We'll also hear from Simi Weber. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hi, this is David Gabe, and you're listening to The Zev Brenner Show. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Harav Chaim Aaron Waxlack was a man of unique talents. First and foremost, he was completely authentic and genuine. His charm and witty humor hit a very sensitive heart and soul. He was the ultimate rabbi. He viewed his job to watch over the welfare of his congregants from the spiritual to the financial and the emotional. 
The chesed he did ranged from financial to getting people jobs to just calling them to say, hey, thought you needed a phone call. I speak from a unique perspective. I started out as Marcel Weber's son, then became his Talmud and joined the Dafayoimi three and a half cycles ago, finally to becoming his friend as he was my mentor. We also shared a very precious experience as he grew up in Newark, New Jersey. He davened and became incredibly close to the holy Pittsburgh Rebbe Zatzal. The shtibel greatly affected the way the Rav perceived and actually davened. His heartfelt davening, which he served up with all his emotions, was just another facet of the Rav. The Rav also ran many major organizations, including Hask. I can't tell you how many times I called the rabbi to say, Rabbi, can you help such and such a kid get into camp or a program? Never once did the rabbi not come through to help that family or individual. The rabbi was always a doer. He built a shul, he built a mikvah, he brought an array of programs to Long Beach. He often expressed to me his feelings, and they were very strong. Yet he was completely diplomatic and non-confrontational in dealing with people. He developed deep relationships with people because he saw good in all people. I would love when I would get a phone call and it started, Simchala! And I knew it was the rabbi. We would speak often. He would confide in me about his family and how proud he was of his kids. When I became a chosen, he left the community to join me at my office in Borough Park. And I can't tell you how many times I would spend at the Waxlack home just laughing with him and the family and watching the amazing partnership between Rabbi and Rebetzin. One of the most difficult times in the Rav's life was when he lost his oldest daughter, Avigail. A year or so later, we named our daughter, Avigail, after her. He sent us the following note. Dear Simeon Rachel, I was truly moved, actually to tears, as I read your kind words. Knowing my Avigail, Shalom, I can say you Nevoah for naming your daughter will be a merit for her to grow into a Chubas Yisrael, steeped in chesed and wisdom, thus being a source of nachas to you in the entire mishpacha. As you well know, Avigail translates into the joy of my father. Our Avigail brought our family nothing but joy. So may your Avigail bring you and you and your family only joy and happiness. Be Ahava Rabbah. I will always cherish the memories and the unique relationship I had with Harav Chaim Aaron Waxlak. Thank you, Simi Weber. And joining us right now is Rabbi Dr. Yechesko Rosenberg, who is a psychologist, also is a Magad Shir, and is a Mechutin for Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlak, and Benjamin Weinberger, who is a Pittsburgher Chassid, who is close to the Pittsburgher Rebbe, and Dr. Chaim Waxlak as well. So, Good luck. Thank you for joining us. Let me begin with you, Rabbi Dr. Cheskel Rosenberg. Tell us about your relationship. Good luck, Zev. Good luck. Uh, thank, thank, thank you for including me in, in this um, commemoration. Uh, actually, my relationship with Rabbi Chaim, the Colonel Rochog, goes back to uh, West Orange in the early 60s. I knew his father, my uncle, Nat Turk, founded the Young Israel of West Orange. And his father, uh, they, they originally were in Newark, but the Jews moved from Newark. They moved to West Orange. And I met his father, Rabbi Yisrael, there in, in the Young Israel, and all he could talk about was his fabulous son and how proud he was of him. Um, 
later on, I, we share something in common because uh, we both went to the, got our PhDs in psychology from the same university, not at the same time, but we did share that. And uh, at some point, uh, I was fortunate enough, my son, uh, Rav Yudidja, married uh, his daughter, Dr. Yali, and they uh, have a beautiful family together. And being his mechutin has always been a, a tremendous pleasure. It was very, you know, Pete, there were all kinds of uh, stories about how difficult it could be sometimes with mechutanim, but, uh, but Reb Chaim and, and the Rebetzin were always a pleasure to deal with, and it was always uh, uh, never any difficulties. Whenever there was something that needed to be done, he would, they, he would always volunteer to do it, and uh, we really got along fabulously. I got to see... Rabbi Chaim, in, uh, in different situations, I actually worked for a while at Hask, so I did get to see uh, his professionalism and how many hats he wore, as, as Shmiel talked about, the many hats that he wore at Hask, but in terms of uh, professional, clinical, supervision, organizational, and actually he was the, also, quite to me, he was the Rav of Hask. Whenever there was an occasion, he would step up and be... Uh, give it to our Torah and uh, present the, uh, the the spiritual mission of uh, of the organization. But uh, but I also had an opportunity. We spent vacations together since uh, since my son married Diali. We uh, had an opportunity to go away. We usually, usually would go away for Pesach, and the, the, our Pesach vacations were always determined by where Rav Chaim was going to be speaking. You know what program he's going to be. Uh, speaking in, we got to go, go to a lot of interesting places, and uh, one of the things that I noticed about, uh, you know, it talks about in the uh, in this week's parsha, it talks about Yisro comes to Moshe and tells him that you know you're doing too much, you're going to wear yourself out. So Chaim apparently did a tremendous amounts, right? He was always busy busy with something, and he also went on vacation. But even though on his own vacation, he'd always have his phone with him, and the phone would ring. In the Hask homes, it said, I remember seeing it when I, in the group homes, there was a sign on the wall that would say, in case of emergency, call Dr. Waxlack. It, wow. it didn't say only, you know, uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you know. Right, he was so, always available at any hour of the day, which is... So a... he, he would get those calls, he would get those calls, and, and, and he seemed effortless the way he would deal with things. I mean, I guess he had a lot of experience, I guess. And I, don't, I don't know when he slept because he was up early in the morning yeah. until late at night. He was doing things, so he always had a lot on his plate, and he accomplished it. So some people don't. He did. He did so many different took care of the smallest details. Let me turn to Benjamin Weinberger, who knows him from Pittsburgh, I've part of the Pittsburgh Rebbe. So tell us about your relationship. Thank you, thank you so much, and thank you, thank you so much to you and to David Diamond for having me on the program tonight. Um, I know the rabbi for about 18 years now, and it was uh, it was interesting because the Pittsburgh rabbi that just passed away now a few months ago told us that there's uh, a Ingeman that uh, was very close to his father, Rabbi from Haber from Newark, the Pittsburgh rabbi, he later on moved to Pittsburgh. His father was from Pittsburgh, the grandfather. And he said that there's an Ingeman that was very, very close to his father, and we should go visit him. So we went to the Hansk office about 18 years ago, and um, we met with him, and we told him that the Rebbe is here. He's actually fundraising. But uh, we want to come to him, not for fundraising. We want to just, since the Rebbe said he's so close to him, just to have a nice, quiet Shabbos. There was a few 
people from here to show, and we have a few families here in America, and we wanted to get together. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to Pittsburgh, because besides we're getting to know Rabbi Waxlack, and um, it was just we used to spend every year or two a Shabbos in Long Beach with the Kahila, and, uh, we, and then we started coming to the concerts that the rabbi made, and the Rav came to our show several times to visit in Pittsburgh. Um, I wrote down over here a few things that the Rav said when he used to come to the Yorta Studio for the Pittsburgh Rabbi, Rabbi Rom Abba, what he spoke and what he said, and, what he, and him explaining the relationship and the connection that he had to the old Rabbi, Rabbi Rom Abba from Pittsburgh. So I wrote it like this. He explained that his parents and that whole um, community, a lot of the people there were from Europe. And in Europe, they still had a connection to Swedish uh, kites uh, or Varm kites. I forgot the exact words he brought down. But when they came to America, things were different. And people had a lot of challenges. And he felt that the Rebbe elevated a lot of people in the community, and specifically his father or his parents, and uh, he'll never forget the day the Rebbe put on his film and the feeling he had till the day he spoke about it, which was two years ago. He said that uh, a very important lesson he learned from the Rebbe was that um, to be in the middle of Gevura, he said that they started out in the davening in the dining room in Newark in the show, and later on they had a basement and only much, much, uh, it took a long time so they were able to move into the first floor of the Bismedrish and so much koyach and, and um, perseverance had to go into that and that was a midah that he learned in life and that was Mashpia and Himalah he also um, said that his whole um, his whole life was changed by the influence since he was a little kid playing with the Rebbe's kids the Rebbe that was Nifta this year and with his older sisters Rebbeton Spiegel and Lachdim Ben Chaim Chaim, the Rebbeton Kreisberg that was Nishter a year ago, and, uh, and the Rebbe was his Mishabi Kedushin. Wow. That's all things that Rebbe Waxler said, and now I would like to say something that the way we feel in Pittsburgh about Rebbe Waxler. First of all, he always spoke about the Hakar Satoyev that he had for, for the Rebbe and what the Rebbe meant to him, but Pittsburgh really owes Rebbe Waxler a big Hakar Satoyev for the First of all, to getting to, go, to know such a uh, hush of a person, his, his drushes were just unbelievable. That was the most, by me personally, it was the most important part of coming to Long Beach. It was so warm. It was so smart. It was so deep. And there was a wonderful relation between and, the Pittsburgh Rebbe and Rabbi Chaim Waxlock. We're running out of time. I want to thank you, Benjamin Weinberger, who from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Chus, a very close associate of Dr. Chaim Waxlock. And Rabbi Dr. Yechesko Rosenberg, who is a Magachir psychologist, Machutin, thank you for sharing some insight into Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlock of Blessed Memory, whose yard site we're commemorating tonight. Thank you for including me. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Good vach. Rabbi Benjamin Silver, the spiritual leader of the English of Long Beach, joins us. He worked and he was an assistant rabbi under Rabbi Chaim Waxlock. So, Shavuoto, thank you for joining us. Shavuoto, good vach, always a pleasure. I remember when you were there with Rabbi Waxak as an assistant rabbi years ago. You were a young man before you were married. So tell us what it was like uh, working with Rabbi Waxak. Yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. As I uh, as I mentioned before, my my start in 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 the Rabbanus was really a direct result of Rabbi Waxak. At the time, I was single, 
and uh, looking for my uh, break into, into Rabbanis. I was still working on Smicha at the time, and I met with Rabbi Waxlax um, through the National Council of Young Israel. He had been thinking about looking for a youth director, which was uh, not my forte, but he was willing to meet, and uh, he gave me a shot. So I started coming out to Long Beach uh, every week or so, every about two weeks. Uh, for a while, and eventually uh, moved in, moved to Long Beach and lived there for two years as an assistant rabbi. And I'm sure what's, it was a great experience for you. I remember you from those days uh, fondly, and I'm glad that you're now the spiritual leader of the Young Israel of Long Beach. Anything stand out during those two years that you were in Long Beach? Yeah, there was a yeah, it was it was a great experience all around. I, I really got got pretty close uh, with Rabbi Waxlack, and he he mentored me in, in many different ways. Um, you know, just seeing someone who was all all in, he was he was incredibly giving and had so much on his plate. And as it as, as is evidenced uh, by the fact now that you know that it's, it takes ten men to fill what he was doing in Long Beach in terms of kashrus and eruv and running the shul and day to day and programming, he was taking care of it all. And uh, it's unbelievable that somebody one person was doing all of that and you just see the impression that he's left on the on the on the city and on the show and i've been now in long beach for about four and a half months or so and i can't tell you how many times people have come over to me and said you know about wax like meant so much to me personally he helped me in such an incredible way and you sir have big shoes to fill <laughs> that's been an ongoing an ongoing theme and it's true i do have big shoes to fill no, and uh, you're doing a great job at Young Girls of Long Beach, but he did everything. And I have to tell you, and you probably know that from your own experience, he didn't stand on ceremony. With, never had to, Whatever had to be done, he did, whether it was schlepping food, setting up, making sure people had to see uh, where to see, uh, see a seat uh, where it's at, the lectures and shuls. No matter what it was, he was there doing it, and he helped people. And I think he was a man of tremendous learning, but he also was a man of tremendous compassion. He helped so many people that he kept did a still a hate. It was not done for publicity. I don't even know a fraction of what he did, but he did a tremendous amount. And you probably witnessed that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it was always just involved in so many different things. It's um, yeah, just it, it was it was constant. And uh, as you said, he was never standing on ceremony. I know he used to schlep the the kiddush. He liked uh, uh, a caterer in Brooklyn, and he used to schlep to Kiddush himself. And there was not a, you know, that wasn't that wasn't beneath him. On the contrary, if he could help and take care of it, then he just did it. And he was just a, a, a doer. I think if you had to have one word to summarize Rabbi Waxlack, it was a doer. He got it done, and just made it happen. Which is that's that's what you need, and that's that's leadership. You know, people have been talking about so many different aspects. I know he wanted to make sure that the kashras of the institutions in Long Beach was the establishments was up to par. And uh, so he just made it happen. That was him getting up at five o'clock in the morning almost every day before he gave the daf at five thirty or five forty five. That's just what he did. He just made made it happen and uh, yeah, no ceremony and uh, no expectation of any sort of covet. He just did what needed to be done to ensure that the community continued to grow and continued to thrive. Absolutely, and like you said, he he did it, made sure it was done, and 
Uh, I, I admire that he was able to accomplish so much. And as you said, it takes a lot of people to do what he did. It's just as one individual. So we appreciate uh, your sharing that with us. Any final thoughts that you have about Rabbi Waxak and your time that you were here? Um, just uh, I would just end with, uh, you know, this is, this is a huge loss that uh, the young Israel Long Beach community and the broader Long Beach community still very much feel to this day. And, uh, you know, I hope this program is the Yishmaso tomorrow. The Young Israel of Long Beach is uh, hosting an Azkara tomorrow night. Um, we'll have some serious uh, speeches and some great memories from different people that grew up here. And it promises to be a great program. And, uh, you know, we, I hope that I will continue to lead the congregation and really the city uh, to building on his legacy and continue in the direction that he really established. Much continued success. If people want to log on or get more information about the tribute to Rabbi Waxak, which is going to be done through the Young Israel of Long Beach, how can they access that information? Yeah, it's mostly over email, but it should also be on the Young Israel of Long Beach website, which is undergoing some renovation at the moment, but uh, they can try there, yilb.org. Rabbi Benjamin Silver, spiritual leader in Israel of Long Beach, thank you for sharing some thoughts tonight. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Good luck. Good luck. Okay, this is Nelson Spees, president of the Young Israel of Long Beach. Rashuf Saraf, dear rabbis, Rebison Waxlack, and family and congregants, we are gathered tonight to commemorate the first year site of Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxlack, Sefor Sadiq Libracha. It's hard to has been a year. For all of us, it has been a very difficult year since we lost our Rav. We all cherish so many memories. Tonight, we will hear from many of the rabbis and speakers who will share some of these beautiful memories. The Rav to me was like an older, wiser brother with his incredible kindness, his sense of humor, his famous gematrias, his davyami, his Tuesday night Torah class that ran for 18 incredible years are moments that my family and I will cherish our whole lives. We had a very special, he had a very special way with each one of us. I remember when we were relatively new to the community and the Rav organized the purchase of an ambulance for Magen Adam during the war with Lebanon. His focus on supporting Israel and many Jewish causes was a top priority. When the war with Gaza broke out and we were all worried and wanted to help in some way, the rabbi invited Rachel Heisler, president of American Friends of Soroka Hospital to Long Beach to enable us to help the communities of Southern Israel and the wounded IDF soldiers. Like this, we all remember how many Sunday breakfasts were held for yeshivas and Jewish organizations that Araf felt were so important. He took care of every detail. Simchat Torah was unbelievable. The Raf's koach through each of the hakafas was amazing. Purim, who could ever forget his Purim, Purim spiel? With his incredible sense of humor, he made, made us all laugh. We can all remember the Shabbatons with the Pittsburgher Rebbe, said Sal, and his Talmidim, the memories of marching in the Memorial Day Parade of Long Beach. He taught us all the value, Jewish patriotism to the USA. So many life lessons that we learned from him, I can't even begin to listen 
to lift them all. It was so special to come to shul and to see and hear him every Shabbos. I would like to share a story that I heard from Rabbi Jacobson this week, which I think defines our Rav and how lucky we were. In 1963, in Masada, following the detailed writings of Josephus, the Israeli archaeologist Yigdal Yadin discovered a food storage area where the Jews of Masada stored their food. He found date seeds that, from the era of the Beit Sheni, and sent them to Bar Ilan University in Tel Aviv. In 2005, an Israeli botanist Dr. Levy wanted to do an experiment and take these seeds from the year 73 from our common era and plant them. The idea was to be able to eventually taste the same dates that our ancestors ate at the time of the second Beit HaMikdash. The botanists did not have a lot of hope that these seeds were, that were buried for 2000 years, which were lifeless, abandoned, decayed and dried, would be able to grow. The botanist was amazed when several months later, they saw a crack in the earth and a sapling growing. And a few months later, a young palm tree began growing. They named the tree Metsuzela after the man who lived 960 years, the longest lifetime mentioned in the Torah. They were disappointed to learn that this was a male tree and would never be able to produce dates, a true disappointment. However, the botanist, Dr. Levy, did not give up, and she went searching for more seeds when one day in the Judean desert near Jericho, they found more seeds not far from the Quram uh, caves. This is where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. The seeds that they found came from Bait Rishon era. They did not think that it could happen again, but they planted these seeds in Kibbutz Ketera in the Negev. How shocked they were when again they saw a sapling after a few months that grew into a tree with flowers. In other words, a female tree. This tree was named Hannah for the mother of Shmuel that, would not have any, that could not have any children. So now came the time for a shidduch and they took pollen from the Metsuzela male palm tree and pollinated the Hannah tree flowers and prayed for a miracle. Recently, they harvested the first incredible dates that they were permitted to eat. These dates were filled with devash, honey, date honey. The scientists then plucked these luscious dates, dates that came from the match of, of seeds from Ait Rishon era and Bait Sheni era. They made a bracha, Borei Priya Eds and Shehiyanu. They were emotional and crying because these dates had survived two korbans, the Holocaust, and now they were again being eaten by Eden in Medinat Israel. Similarly, Araf saw in our kahila seeds of neshamas that carried in their DNAs the history of our ancestors, Avram, Sarah, Isaac, Rivka, Yaakov, Rachel, Leah, Moshe, Rabbeinu, Yeshua, and the Rishonim, the Tanaim, the Haronim, and our grandparents and great-grandparents. Araf brought the sunlight, the water, and the earth to nourish our neshamas. Just like the ancient seeds came back to life, Araf never underestimated the deep spiritual vibrancy of every yid he met. He never fell for the external. He understood that each one of us carried in our neshamas a helic of our creator, 
just like the seeds of Israel have a deal, 2,500 years, our neshamas have the DNA of 3,800 years of Jewish history. He understood that if you give a yid sunlight, varentite, water, earth, humility and vulnerability, this would bring a miracle. Arav never lost hope and believed till his last days that Long Beach would continue to grow. The Rav left in each one of us his helic that he planted in us like the seeds. He took with him all the mitzvah and part of the helic beautiful days that he nourished in us, and it was his tikkum olam. Every day when we say the brachas prior to the Shema, Or Chadash al Sion Tahir, Veniske Kulanu Mechadale Orod, Baruchata Hashem Yosera Meorod, may you shine a new light on Zion, and may we all speedily merit its light. Blessed are you, Hashem, who fashioned the luminaries. I think of Rav Waxlak, Zahor Sadik Lebracha, and how he lit the luminaries for us. We ask Hashem to comfort the Waxlak family and our congregants. May his neshama have an aliyah. May we continue to live the rabbis' memories and make them part of our lives. I would like to thank the rabbis, Hassan Lemmer, the committee, sponsors, and congregants that participated. As a tribute to the Rav, we are planning to rename the Young Israel of Long Beach in his honor and memory. May we be so heat to hear and share Vesoris Tobos Vizrat Hashem. Kol Tuf. And there you have it, our special tribute on the yard side of Rabbi Dr. Chaim Waxa, blessed memory, who I knew for so many years. And I can tell you, I met many different Rabbanim and rabbis and leaders. He was a leader. Uh, he, he is missed by me and our listeners, those that know him. He had a tremendous impact on the community. He and his wife, Rabbi Zinshalev, for many years really gave and continued to give. The rabbis continued to, to do so much chesed. And you have rabbis who are great in learning, which he was, big Talmud Chacham, but also was a big Rav Chesed in Chesed, as you heard in our special broadcast tonight. May his memory be a blessing. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.